The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Ellis Martin Report. You'll hear expert insight, commentary, and potential financial opportunity. We want you to know up front, eyes wide open, companies featured on this program have given us cash money to be portrayed here. Some of the analyst segments are sponsored as well. Ellis Martin may have a financial position in issues mentioned on this program. Whatever. I'm telling you now so you don't wonder later. Have I ever lied to you? No. And I'm not going to start now. So why bring it up? You know how it makes me feel. I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> I'm the announcer for the Ellis Martin Report, and I'm okay with my feelings. Okay, on the web, find us at ellismartinreport.com. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. Today, we'll chat with Patrick Yoder, the Vice President of Sales for sponsor Noblest Health, trading on the TSX under the symbol NHC.to. Since we've introduced you to the company on this program, Noblest has seen a great deal of new shareholder interest, now nearing $5.85 a share. That's up almost $2 since mid-January. I'm very happy that our listeners have responded to the story of a company based in Houston, Dallas, and Phoenix that puts patient care and satisfaction before anything else. I've interviewed several company principals and each one of them is stressed patient and consumer satisfaction as their number one priority. With that in mind, it's no wonder that they've seen great success, not just in the stock market, but where it really counts in bottom line revenue. What I've learned over the course of this past six weeks through my interviews with management is that branding and marketing play a key role in bringing great service to a consumer of any product. Without brand awareness, it doesn't matter what your product or widget is. If no one knows about who you are or what you do, then so what? This is a good point to take to heart, not just for potential investors who listen to the program, but those of you that are in business or participate in running a business. Let your target market know who you are and provide them with excellent service. I will also speak with Greg Johnson, the CEO and president of Wellgreen Platinum, trading on the TSX under the symbol WG and on the OTCQX as WGPLF. Wellgreen Platinum has one of the largest open pit platinum, palladium, nickel, and copper resources in North America. In my interview with Greg, you learn why a recently completed study showed great potential for the company with an asset based on the Canadian Yukon featuring great infrastructure and access to ports. Doug Diamond is the president of Gatekeeper Systems Incorporated, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol GSI.V. Gatekeeper provides transportation-related security systems for school buses across North America. Additionally, the company serves law enforcement and the military with body camera solutions now critical in documenting incidents or potential incidents in the field. And we'll finish the program with a conversation with a longtime friend and video producer, Bob Lang, with SpiritedUSA.com. 
Bob and I will discuss business video production. Now again, if you're a principal in a business, large or small, you won't want to miss this segment about how a good video about your business can actually help that business grow. Let's begin the program. Join me now for an interview with Patrick Yoder, the Vice President of Sales for Noblest Health, trading on the TSX under the symbol NHC.TO. Noblest Health strategically partners with physicians in the development and management of ambulatory surgical centers, or ASCs, with the mission of providing superior medical care, increased patient satisfaction, and lower costs for healthcare delivery. Noblest, under its previous name North Star Healthcare, recently acquired Athos Health, for $34 million. Athos, based in Dallas, focused on the marketing and delivery of specialized healthcare services in seven states. Patrick, welcome to the program. Great, thanks, Ellis. I'm glad to be here. What are the responsibilities accompanying your position at Nobilis? Well, I am the vice president of sales and primarily concentrate on physician recruitment and relationships. How does that translate into revenue? Our main focus is to go out and recruit physicians to utilize our facilities. And we do that through a number of different programs, primarily the marketing side. So they come over, they do their surgical procedures at our facility. And when they do those procedures, that's when we bill the insurance companies and generate the revenue. So majority of our revenue at Nobilis is built around our surgical operating rooms in our ASCs, our ambulatory surgery centers, and our hospitals. And our hospital is a surgical hospital. The more cases that my team can generate, the more revenue. So you have a team of individuals that are recruiting physicians, surgeons, that have a reputation of following that can bring something to the table with regard to using your surgical centers, right? That's correct, Ellis. We really primarily are in three markets, Houston, Dallas, and Scottsdale. And each market has a team of sales representatives that go out and try to recruit physicians to utilize our facilities. And then each market also has a team of physician liaisons that go out and once the physician comes on you know, decides he wants to start doing cases, they effectively onboard the physicians and get them used to our facilities and there's some equipment we have to buy for each physician so they primarily handle that and then maintain a long-term relationship and the folks interact with the physicians on a day-to-day basis. Well I guess they would have to because after they recruited the physicians it's your responsibility as a company to ensure that their practice grows within the noblest umbrella. Correct, Ellis, and that is what their job is primarily focused on, is making sure they're happy, and if there's a different way we can work with them, we explore that option as well. Give us an idea of your background, Patrick. How did you find your way to working with Nobilis? I have always been in healthcare. I started off in pharmaceutical sales, spent a number of years with Pfizer, and then a natural progression from pharmaceutical sales is medical device sales. I worked for a minimally invasive spine company in Nashville, Tennessee for a number of years, and then when my wife and I started having kids, we decided to get closer to her family, which often happens. I took a job with Intuitive Surgical as a sales representative here in Houston, Texas. And Intuitive Surgical is the maker of the Da Vinci Surgical Robot. And I spent four years with Intuitive 
selling robots in the Houston area, and the Texas Medical Center was where I was primarily based out of. And then I got into sales management with Intuitive and actually managed their capital sales for most of Texas. So the Houston area and the Rio Grande Valley all the way out to West Texas. I was approached by Barry Kratz, Kratz, one of the recruiters, and Don Kramer, Dr. Kramer. They called me in and kind of explained what Nobilis was doing. And they're approached and they needed somebody to come in and start a sales force and grow their business. Because they had a great message, they had a great plan with differentiating themselves among the other ASCs. They just didn't have anybody to go out and let the world know and let the surgeons and the physicians in the community know. So they needed some competent feet on the street. So they brought me in about a year ago, and since then we have built a team. I think we've got, at last glance, I think we have 15 sales representatives. There's 15 folks that are in the sales department within Houston, Dallas, and Scottsdale. Let's talk about robotics. You mentioned your history in that arena. How important a role does robotics play in Noblest Surgical Centers? It's interesting. Robotics and medicine, I think we all agree there's certainly a place and it's the future is getting closer and closer. So I really feel like robotics is certainly here to stay. It only enhances a patient's ability to have a minimally invasive procedure. Where it fits in the ASC environment, it's still up for debate. We've elected not to invest in the Da Vinci robot and robotics at this point because most of the data that's available and most of the utilization within robotics is for more complex surgery. It's such a significant investment at this time, it's really hard to justify that type of acquisition for that something that's not really in our sweet spot. Most of our centers are outpatient surgery centers. We come to leave the extremely complex surgeries that the robots involved in, we leave those up to the big hospitals. So your focus, to track back a bit, is to grow the team of professional recruiters targeting physicians that could benefit from a noblest facility. At what point do you hit market saturation? Is there an endless upside to recruiting? I mean, at what point can you say, we're done here? There's really not. I mean, there's not an end point to this. I mean, you look at the Houston market. You know, Ellis, I think there's 10,000 physicians in Houston. I would love to reach all of them because we could have a conversation with all 10,000 physicians. But really, my team is focused on physicians that have been a part of outpatient surgery centers before. Those folks usually are orthopedic surgeons, spine, ENT, pain management, some general surgery. Those are the primary focus areas for my team. The job's never done. We've barely scratched the surface. I will say, OLS, we've gotten now to a point where this reminds me of when I was with Intuitive in some ways. We've crossed a chasm, so to speak. Ellis, where we are not as actively recruiting physicians now because of our marketing efforts and because that's what we've become known for, we're at a point where physicians are now contacting us and we're in a good position to say, you know, we'd like to work with this physician and maybe this physician's not a great fit. 
so we can ensure the highest quality and return on the investment. So the marketing team, in conjunction with your sales staff, has created great market awareness, and these physicians are contacting you to use the Noblest facilities. Absolutely. I mean, they've done an incredible job. And I tell them, though, that when I'm interviewing, people always ask, well, there's a specific personality that does really well in this line of sales, and that's from the medical device background. Most of my sales team has a medical device background. And so one of the first questions they ask is, what product would I be selling? Well, the difference is there's not so much a product, but really a service that we can provide and a differentiator in the marketplace. And that's where the marketing comes into play. And people are just wild, especially physicians, are just wild when we go through our marketing capabilities. There's no one else in this space that are in Houston, Dallas, and Scottsdale for sure. There's no one else doing this quite like we are. No one has the marketing capabilities and infrastructure that we have. Most of the competition that's out there has the same old model where they have physician partners. Well, that model has been shown to fail time and time again. We can do that. We can do all the other things that everyone else can do. But where we really differentiate ourselves is we have the unique ability to increase a physician's patient inflow through our marketing services. And in today's climate, that's incredibly important to a physician, is especially a lot of these specialties where they're seeing their patient volume dwindle and it's a little bit of a crunch. Well, we can offer them the opportunity to increase their patient volume. There's very few ASCs and hospitals that really can say they do that. Would you say that your method of doing business is unique to Nobilis? And I'm talking about on a national scale. Yes, it is. I've yet to come across a physician that says, oh, well, this hospital or this surgery center is already doing this to the scale that we can. They've tried their hand at a few commercials. Maybe they've got a web presence. But again, it comes back to the marketing infrastructure that we've built. And some of it we had in place before the Athos merger. But when we acquired Athos, it took us to a completely different level where every dollar spent and every patient that calls into our call center is tracked. We know where everything is. So when a physician asks, well, where is this patient or how do my numbers look? We can pull it right up and show them, hey, this is how many patients we added to your practice over the last month or two. No one else has those capabilities. If they do have those capabilities, they're not effectively communicating and marketing in our spaces. Let me ask you what I've asked other principals in Nobilis. Given the success you've been having in the Houston, Dallas, and Scottsdale areas, why wouldn't you take this method of service and success to other parts of the country. Are you going to make sure you can cover and manage the large areas you already placed in before increasing your national footprint? That's my understanding. I mean, Texas is such a great state to get started and and prove success. I mean, we could be a very successful business if we just stayed in Texas and in Scottsdale, but that's not the plan. I mean, this model is reproducible and we can certainly take it to different markets. And it should be, there's no reason to think it wouldn't be as accepted as that has been in 
Texas and Arizona. I think within the last year, we've branched out of Texas and are starting to see some success in Arizona. So I think we'll, we'll continue to monitor that success in Arizona and continue to grow in Texas. And then at some point, I can't imagine us not being in different markets in different states. In some ways, with the Athis brand, we already are in other states. They do have some existing relationships in, I believe, Detroit, New Jersey. So they've got relationships in other states. What do you feel your strongest suit is when you're prospecting for new growth through the program you've just outlined? I think the biggest thing is what my salespeople and what I'm armed with is when I go out and recruit physicians and maintain these relationships is the unique ways that we can market physicians. And that's our strong suit. Our core competence is within the marketing. I'd say that that is what separates us from everyone else. You must have a close relationship with Chief Marketing Officer Adam Arnett then. We are developing one, yes. Adam and I are are starting to talk on a daily basis. And that is um, something that was really interesting with that merger. You just found two companies that it fit perfectly. They filled some of our gaps and we filled some of their gaps. And for us to pull off within, I think it was a four to six time frame where almost 90% of the patients that were in the Athis brand, six weeks within closing, were already coming over to our facility. So I think that speaks to the team more than anything. Everyone bought into what we were trying to do and we all pulled in the, the same direction and accomplished. When we set out to do it, I really had my doubts that we were able to going to be able to capture 90% of those patients before the end of the year. But sure enough, we were able to accomplish that. So Adam and I have, have started talking on a very frequent basis. In fact, we hold weekly calls with ATHIS and ATHIS Legacy Management and Nobilis Management just to make sure we're all pulling in the same direction. Well, Patrick, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. I thank you for joining us on the program. Ellis, thanks for having me. I've been chatting with Patrick Yoder, Vice President of Sales for Noblest Health, trading on the TSX under the symbol NHC.TO. That's NHC.TO. Listen to the segment again on our website, ellismartreport.com, and download the entire program on iTunes. Hey, it's me, Cool Voice Guy. Unless your brain is the size of a watermelon, like mine, you'd probably like to hear these segments again and again and again. Find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. If you listen to all of them, your mind will be saturated with money juice. That's what I call it. That's ellismartinreport.com. In this segment, I'll be speaking with Greg Johnson, the president and CEO of Wellgreen Platinum, trading in the U.S. under the ticker symbol WGPLF. Wellgreen Platinum is a North American mining, exploration, and development company focused on the active advancement of its 100% owned Wellgreen PGM nickel copper project and taking it toward production. Located in the Yukon, the Wellgreen project is one of the largest undeveloped PGM or Platinum Group metals deposits outside of South Africa and Russia. Greg, welcome to the program. Great to be back. You have some particularly exciting news that I'd like to share with our audience. Wellgreen just released a PEA, a positive independent preliminary economic assessment on the Wellgreen PGM nickel project. It states that when you go into production, the company will generate approximately 209,000 ounces of platinum, palladium, and gold, along with 73 million pounds of nickel and 55 million pounds of copper for the first 16 years of operation. How much cash flow will that bring into the company? To put that 
that in context, if you're producing over 200,000 ounces of platinum, platinum, and gold, that makes you like number two in comparison with, uh, say, Stillwater in Montana outside of South Africa or Russia. So it's a very significant level of platinum group metal production. And on a nickel basis, you'd be a fairly significant producer of nickel as well. Combine that all together at kind of current prices, and you're looking at something along the lines of $300 million a year in operating cash flow over those 16 years. On top of that, believe it or not, that's only mining about 30% of our current resource. And so when you bring in the other 70%, which we've laid out as an opportunity in our study we've just published, that adds another 30 years of mine life, so stretching the life out to over 50 years of operation at those kind of production levels. With this compelling news just released, what is your next step with regard to Wellgreen? Well, this study is really the culmination of two years of work. We've raised close to $40 million over the last two years. Money has gone into the ground for drilling, for engineering, for metallurgical testing. And so this really is a substantive update and very detailed study project and, and lays out that it's, it's quite robust uh, in comparison with those similar projects. You know, our rates of return on this are in the mid-20s and, and even low 30s, depending on your metal price deck that you use. And so this project, it really stands out. And we've got a number of existing shareholder investors that have approached us to continue to assist the company to move forward. We've got new mining-focused large groups, uh, including you know some of the producers and smelting groups that are expressing interest in helping to take the project to the next level. With this PEA and with the fact that we ended the year with almost $10.5 million in cash, we're in great shape to launch into the pre-feasibility level of study, refining these studies that we've just put out, and being able to move towards de-risking the project and demonstrating its potential future cash flow. Is this potentially one of the largest stories in the Yukon, if not North America? Well, the, the project, as is currently envisioned, starts out at 25,000 tons per day, which is not a huge operation, but it is a good-sized mine, and at the expansion phase in year five and six, it would go to about 50,000 tons per day, so it would become, at that stage, one of the larger operations in the region. There's several that are bigger, but this would be quite sizable. And in terms of platinum group metals and nickel specifically, it would be one of the biggest outside of the high political risk areas of, of South Africa and Russia. Now, the cost of production is considerably less than those other sensitive political risk jurisdictions that you just referred to, right? Yeah, most of the world's platinum and platinum is produced from deep underground mines in either South Africa or Russia. Combined, they're about 90% of the world's production. And those metals are used for catalytic converters is the number one use, but other industrial uses, investment value, and jewelry. But the catalytic converter market is really the biggest market. With such a heavy concentration of those metals being produced in those high political risk jurisdictions, a project like Wellgreen really stands out. This is something that I think really industry is going to be looking for sources of new metal with the excellent infrastructure that we have, the paved highway and the existing ports to the south of the project. We're really poised to be able to advance this project and see steady interest from people in terms of financing and advancing the project. So you've had conversations with both large producers and potential offtake candidates as well. Yeah, we're already seeing very significant interest in terms of both groups that might want to purchase the concentrate products where the metals are, are shipped for smelting, as well as larger producers that are either focused in the base metal business or the base metal and PGM or just on the PGM side of things. This stage, that's pretty encouraging to see that level of interest in the company. If an entity were to come along and look at you as a takeout candidate, 
How would you respond to that? Well, it's a bit early for us to be looking at that. I mean, on a valuation basis right now, we are trading at a very attractive valuation from an investor's point of view, but we're nowhere near the ultimate potential valuation that we could see. On an enterprise value per ounce today, the precious metal producers are trading at about $200 an ounce on the ground. The advanced development stage companies are trading at around $50 per ounce of measured and indicated resource. That's your highest confidence resource. And the early development stage are averaging around 20 dollars per ounce. Well Green today is trading at around four dollars an ounce if you don't include value for our base metals, nickel and, and copper. And if you include value for those, we're trading around two dollars an ounce. So the opportunity for capital appreciation as we advance the project, de-risk it through the next couple of stages is quite significant compared to those average market valuations that you see for other comparable companies today. I'm sure that you as the CEO of Wellgreen feel that your company's share price is potentially undervalued considering everything that we've discussed over the past few weeks. Why do you believe that's the case? If you take a look at these valuations, they reflect the prevailing kind of sentiment in the metals market. They also reflect the stage of development and risk that you see for your various projects. Now, based on the fact that we've just completed this major economic study and we're moving into a pre-feasibility, if we look at the average valuations for companies at pre-feasibility being closer to $50 per measured indicated ounce, then we are substantially undervalued by that metric. I think if you look at the economics that are published in this PEA update and you apply those on kind of a a price to net asset value or or some other future cash flow metric, I think you could argue that the shares are very attractively valued from an investor's point of view in that there's excellent potential to see those values increase over time. Greg, what do you see going forth in the coming year with regard to news flow for the Wellgreen project? Well, the company ended the year with ten and a half million dollars in cash, so we're in an excellent position to launch into the next round of studies. We're looking to probably start off our first phase of activity in the spring on the project. So there should be a good flow of news, both from drilling, engineering, metallurgical testing. And we think that we're cautiously optimistic that the overall tone of the market for the metals complex is looking better than it has in a while. And that once we start to see investor interest returning to a sector that's gone through a three to four year bear market, that could be very, very attractive for investors to look at high-quality names that are de-risking and in safe political jurisdictions like a well-green platinum. Greg, again, thanks so much for joining me today on the program. I look forward to more updates in the near future. Thanks for having us. We look forward to updating you again soon. I've been speaking with Greg Johnson, the president and CEO of Wellgreen Platinum, trading on the TSX under the symbol WG and on the OTCQX as WGPLF. That's WGPLF. Listen to this segment again on our website, ellismartreport.com Go to the website right now ellismartreport.com Hey, it's me, Cool Voice Guy. Unless your brain is the size of a watermelon, like mine, you'd probably like to hear these segments again and again and again. Find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. If you listen to all of them, your mind will be saturated with money juice. That's what I call it. That's ellismartinreport.com. I'm Ellis Martin. Today I'm speaking with Doug Diamond, the president and CEO of Gatekeeper Systems Incorporated, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol GSI.V. Gatekeeper employs integrated high-resolution video, voice, and GPS mapping for extreme mobile applications, increasingly vital for the documentation of law enforcement activity, as well as other security-focused efforts across North America. 
How would you define gatekeepers market? The security market in general is divided up into a number of segments. All of those segments are expected to grow to approximately 23 billion by 2017. We reside in the mobile market, really anything that is moving. There's 550,000 yellow school buses in North America and there's 30 to 50,000 of those buses manufactured every year. There's approximately 120,000 transit buses. There's taxis, there's aircraft, Coast Guard patrol boats, anything that moves, including law enforcement personnel and security personnel. There's approximately 30 million law enforcement and security personnel that at some point in time will be wearing body cameras. With a recent controversy in areas such as Ferguson, Missouri and New York City, I would imagine that there would be great interest in gatekeepers' body camera technology across the country. We've just recently introduced a new high-definition body camera. There's been a lot of press in and around the events that have come out of Ferguson. That's driving a significant amount of press across the country. Gatekeeper had introduced the high-definition body camera for not only law enforcement, also security personnel and school districts, prisons, hospitals, corrections, a number of different marketplaces. So that's potentially a very promising market for gatekeeper. And I mean law enforcement specifically. I'm talking about police. We have been shortlisted in, you know, in a number of cities with respect to our body cameras and our in-car video systems. Let's review another large market and are already seeing success in school buses and your student protector system. The student protector is a high-speed license plate reading system that was specifically designed to install on the outside of school buses to deter stop arm violations. Stop arm violations occur when a school bus comes to a stop. The stop arm is engaged and children are either boarding the bus, getting on or off. It's during those times that very dangerous situation can occur and that's when a car will pass that stop arm. In the U.S. this year, there's a projected 15 million stop arm violations and what's happened in the past is that kids have either been hit by these vehicles, there's been deaths that have occurred near misses. It's really driven new legislation in various states that allow counties or cities to use video from a school bus video system to issue a citation. How does this translate into prosecution of these violations and revenue for the company? Gatekeeper embarked on a development project approximately a year ago to design a unique system that can record a evidence pack whereby when such an incident occurs, our system captures the license plate, the vehicle uh, identification, GPS coordinates of where the bus was. We also record some other metadata that really creates this evidence pack for the county and the city to be used in court to issue a citation. Now, the average citation in various states ranges anywhere from $250 to $750. So literally, in a short period of time, there's been this new market category that is created that has the potential to grow into a billion-dollar market category. And you already have a good footing in the market. We've been in the market for quite some time. We have approximately 3,500 customers in what's considered at the kindergarten to grade 12 market. Our technology can be used to increase safety in and around the school buses by deterring these incidents from happening. The equipment can be free of charge to the school district. Gatekeeper will provide the equipment, install it on the school buses, manage the entire program, and we can share in the revenue with the school district, the county or the city, and of course ourselves.
With gatekeeper stock at near 19 cents, there's potentially a great deal of upside for the possible investor. The last company I was involved in was about the same size as this one. It was eventually bought out by Honeywell for almost $11 a share. We believe that we are a great potential investment at these prices. Gatekeeper Systems has a wide product line. We're engaged in several markets, one of which is the student protector. I've been speaking with the president and CEO of Gatekeeper Systems Incorporated, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol GSI.V. That's GSI.V. Contact Gatekeeper at 888-666-4833. 888-666-4833. Getting hungry? Eat knowledge. Find it at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by El Tigre Silver Corp, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol ELS.V and on the OTCQX as EGRTF. Silver has been considered a precious metal for 6,000 years and currency since 600 B.C. It's been commercially mined in Mexico since 1530 in mineral prolific and mining-friendly Sonora State. El Tigre's properties with gold and silver mining concessions span 215 square kilometers or 83 square miles. With an attractive share structure and a strong, proven management team, El Tigre Silver Corp. is poised to identify a resource in an area that from 1903 to 1938 produced 75 million ounces of silver and 380,000 ounces of gold. Additionally, their tailing stockpile is currently progressing to production. Learn more about El Tigre Silver Corp. by visiting their website, eltigresilvercorp.com, or click through El Tigre's logo on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. Join me now with a segment with a very, very dear and old friend of mine. His name is Bob Lang. He's a producer, director, and proprietor of the website SpiritedUSA.com. Spirited USA is a full-service audio and video production company, and we're going to talk about business video production with Bob Lang today. Now, let me give you some history on Bob. Bob Lang enjoyed production management success during his many years at Honeywell Incorporated. Mr. Lang turned the production department into an award-winning enterprise, winning their first of over 15 tele awards and communicator awards beginning shortly after his arrival there in 1995. Lang produced hundreds of TV and radio ads for the GMC Truck National Agency, which was called at the time Competitive Edge. He has also <laughs> produced internationally successful music videos and he has won a regional addy. Bob studied under the mentorship of many industry leaders in teleproduction, including voting members of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Mr. Lang is listed in the Who's Who in Media and Communications. During his on-air career, Lang hosted a program based in Washington, D.C. at ABC Radio, one of America's largest and most well-known broadcast companies. Six Sigma certified, Bob understands the constant change of technology and its design methodologies for customers who are striving to do better in their use of various media. His ideas and his leadership skills are admired by his clientele, and his work ethic is directed at continuous improvement through team building. Wow, what a glowing... I'm so glad my mom wrote that, because I'm <laughs> telling you, I couldn't have done that well. It's been an interesting ride to get to this point, and it's a very great honor to be on your program. We're here to talk about the production of business videos, Bob, Yeah, and you do a very good job of that. Our company has worked on at least one video with you. So we have two tele awards for stuff we've done in the not-too-distant past, as a matter of fact, so kudos to you as a producer and as a production designer. I'd like to talk a little bit about 
how did we get to this situation where we are today where businesses really, really need to use video, either in a minimalistic way or in a, in a large way? I mean, you know, back in the day, uh, when we were kids in school, it was film strips. Those were cool, though. I mean, you'd have your regular curriculum, and then all of a sudden the teacher would wheel out the film strip. He's like, cool, we're going to see film strip. And that went to slideshows, and then somebody invented PowerPoint, and the world changed. Because now you could project graphics and charts and put type on the wall and stand in front of people and you were really, really incredible. But man, that stuff won't get you a a donut and a coffee today. It's just a a whole different world now in business video than, than back then, you know. It marched on to VHS presentations with a projector. That was pretty advanced. If you were a business of means, you hired a production crew to come out to your business and they made a video and then you ran off and made 15,000 VHS copies that they handed out to customers or sent to other business people. And then, you know, it started to grow in the software side. Computers started to finally come of age to where they could handle a few complex operations and authorware and director came out. We started to have the beginnings of interactivity. And after that, the creativity started to come into business video. So time is marching on and things are still evolving as we have Dreamweaver today to create software packages, either interactive DVDs or websites that interact with you that provide information, whether it's promotional or educational. And now in the education arena, in the corporate education arena, which is something really near and dear to my heart, Adobe Captivate is making entire courses that integrate pictures, graphics, video, all kinds of things. And then there's one more step, and we'll talk about knowledge preservation and process capture in a little bit. That's kind of the history of how we got from film strips to now in business video. Any viable business, especially with an online presence, and any viable business these days does have an online presence. You can't not have a business and not have a website, and they're not that difficult to produce. I mean, some are and some aren't. Sure. Don't you think? Sure. We do them all the time. Let's explain to our listening audience, especially those people with businesses that don't have a video, the process for getting a video and getting a presence that they can they can have on the web or they can use in a sales sure. presentation or that their clients can use. Yeah, it's it, and, and, and it takes even more analysis to find out exactly what kind of video you want and where you're going to apply it. It depends on the business. And I'm sure in your listening audience, you have everyone from small at-home self-employed businesses to shops in strip malls to medium-sized, you know, $5 million, $20 million a year companies to you know, big CFOs and CEOs. And they all have different ways of approaching business video, and they all have different needs and different ways in. You don't have to shoot the Ten Commandments with a cast of thousands, laser aerial shots, helicopters exploding to get your point across. It takes analysis of your business first. If you're a mom-and-pop shop, you need a website just so people can find you. You may want to dip a little further and go into a social media presence. If you're a medium-sized company, a corporation, I should say, small corporation, for sure you're going to have uh, more than just a simple website. Your website's going to dive into your processes, your people, the things that you have accomplished in the past and how you can assist people in the future. And that may be several videos. That may be a combination of videos. And uh, of course, you'll, you'll have a little more social presence there with Twitter account, Facebook page, and start to develop products that are going to address your specific customer arena, as well as the 
advantages of, of your particular corporation. <laughs> Once you get to the size of, well, the people I work with now are like Northrop Grumman and the United States government. It's massive, the utilization of video in so many different ways for so many different purposes. It all begins with the business analysis. So let's say it's, it's a mom and pop, okay? There are things that you can do w- with your own camera, just going online to YouTube and picking up a few tips, getting yourself either a local videographer to cut you something together or send something to us. We'll be glad to, to help you out on a very minimal budget. If you're a little bigger company, you're probably going to want to sit down and break down the project, starting with uh, an analysis of what the message is and how we want to deliver it. And then that pre-production meeting turns into a script. The script turns into pre-production, which is the majority of the work, because at that point you're arranging your actors and your locations and making sure that the script says what your corporation needs it to say. Then it becomes, how is that video going to be applied? Is it going to be applied as a one-time event, as a process capture, as a promotion, as a pitch for a, a new product? All that analysis has to happen up at the front end. Once that's complete, you begin the, pre-produc- the, the real pre-production process of getting you know boots on the ground, as they would say, and starting to put your ducks in a row to, to the production point. And once it's produced... Then it becomes an editorial matter to make it look like the voice of your corporation, like the face of your corporation, so that all these things are are unified. You've spent a lot of money to create an image on your stationery, your business cards, your building, your lobby. All that has got to come together and be unified with what you're putting out on the web, what you're putting on social media, and even into what you're putting into your training products and what you're putting into your promotional piece. Once that business analysis is done, now we sit down and start writing that script. And that's a team effort. That comes not just from a producer standpoint, it comes to analysis with the corporation and then also applying the right amount of teleproduction tools to see it successfully through. So when somebody comes to you, Bob, what part of that process are you involved in? All of it? Can a client just come to you and say, Bob, we want to do something. We're not sure of what we want to do yet. Can you help us flesh it out and put it together and find out what our needs are? This is really a a great opportunity for me to give you my proper title. I went through all of them. At first, I think uh, in 1988, when we opened Spirited USA, I was president and I sat there in my little office and it was pretty cool. I felt like I was king of the world. We had a really great, very, very expensive camera and struck out and, and I won our first awards. But I mean, over the years, it's kind of matured to different things. And so in some cases, I am a producer. In some cases, I'm a director. Some cases, I can be editor. And the real title is Multifunctioneer Senior Level 3. That's what I've decided to call myself. Because, I mean, all the other titles just kind of pale in comparison. I'm a multifunctioneer. When I approach a small company... I'm interested in seeing that they use their dollars, their precious few dollars, the most efficiently and get the most out of it. When we deal with a corporation, there's a lot more analysis that goes into it. So I become helpful on the producing side, but also on the analysis side and the script writing side. And then at the very end to make sure that we've done what we set out to do, the completion or the finish. There's a lot of different roles that I play as we go through the process. Bob, any idea of what the length of time might be to do a project, or does that just depend on the project at hand? Sure it does. If you're doing a website video for a mom-and-pop uh, dry cleaner shop, uh, it, it could be a couple of hours sitting together and working out what are the 
advantages of your shop over the other shops in town. And we can script in a day or two, pre-production in a day or two, shoot and edit in a couple of weeks. You've got a video for your for your website. If we're doing a knowledge preservation or a knowledge capture or a process capture for a corporation, it depends on how involved the process is. But it starts with project consultation. Then it starts with the script uh, scripting and the interactivity. And then we move on to pre-producing the actual video and audio elements, the multimedia creation and all that. I think the longest one in recent memory, we did a a video for, uh, we actually did an interactive DVD for Department of Homeland Security that taught truck drivers who drive hazmat how to think in terms of security because they always think in terms of safety. They do certain things every day. They thump their tires. They drain their air tanks on their brakes. They don't have a natural acumen for looking for tracking devices, watching for suspicious patterns in their delivery routes. And so we were training that, and that took about nine months from the first meeting to the finished product. It's almost like a movie at that point in its length. Shooting, typically less than 10 days for something big like that. But the pre-production, the consultation, the script writing, making sure that everything is right, and then the finished editing and delivery is where the investment of time and, and labor is. And so that's why I say that our specialty at Spirited USA is tailoring that crew, equipment, timeline, and money just to fit what your business needs so that you don't wind up producing Ben-Hur when you just need to get your website and a video on it, a promotional video on your website. Well, when you're doing any kind of video production whatsoever, one of the questions that I know comes out of your mouth would be, well, what kind of budget do you have? And it's a very important question because you can build a project based on the amount of money that you need and they have to spend to get the work done. There are about four different levels, five different levels of business video production, starting with a guy and a camera or two, the guy and another guy and and a camera, all the way up to a 10-man crew with a portable potty, caterers, and a slew of actors. So at each of those different levels, you see different price points. You get what you pay for, but you shouldn't pay more than you need to to attain the function that you're looking for this multimedia project or the single media project to function as to do to accomplish we have a lot of different things that business video is used in the first elemental would be a commercial or a web video those are kind of the two starting points whether you're using it to promote new ideas pitching a project the diversity of what you can use video as a tool for is only limited by your budget and your imagination we kind of bounce from the days of doing big laser discs and then making them interactive to dvds and flash drives that you could hand out at a convention or a a promotional event. Now everything is on a server with a QR code. And if you don't know what QR codes are, those little squares that are lots of little squares inside the one square, and you scan it with your smartphone and poof, it takes you to a website and the video starts and your product is displayed. And to show you the diversity of how that application works, we have a product in our list of things that we do called Spirited Lives, where a QR code is affixed to an urn or a gravestone. And when a a mourner goes to the cemetery and clicks that, scans that QR code, a video of the life of the person who's passed plays right there on their personal device standing there. Works the same way for businesses. You see them on the side of racing trailers. For racing teams, you see them on products in stores. The QR code is attached to a website, which creates a multimedia environment. And from there, you can have several videos or different interactions with your potential customer. So really, there's an endless amount of work for someone like you with these QR codes, as you call them, which can be attached to any product and can be triggered by your phone, which is... Yeah, you just scan it. Yeah, you, you scan it and then it begins the interactive experience with 
your customer, the person you're trying to pitch or someone you're trying to remember. Like you say, race teams are always looking for sponsors, drag racing teams, NASCAR teams. So they have these codes all over. So people snap on them and boom, their story is presented. Rather than just looking at this beautiful side of this million dollar trailer, it becomes suddenly an interactive experience where they can see pictures of the crew and the different cars and the different races they were at, see video clips from the different races, all of it going to promote that brand. And so, uh, again, there's a lot of different ways to use video. Yeah, we stay busy. I don't lack for anything to do tomorrow, but I'm, I'm very grateful to meet new people and to help them analyze their situation and try and help them optimize their business. That's really the kick, man, is to watch a business just starting out to use these multimedia products flourish. We like to watch that end result. It's a results-oriented business. You know, you and I worked on a project about four years ago where I went and shot the video for one of our client companies on the Ellis Martin Report. And now I consider myself an excellent photographer, but a videographer, I am not. And what I did was I set up a camera with video in it and I videotaped the client and I gave you all of that video along with some B-roll, which is a uh, industry mm-hmm. term for transitional shots and you took that video and you also purchased some elements online we had an animation company that created some animation for us and we did unique music special effects in the text area it was really quite a remarkable story i still am interested in that company because of what they were trying to accomplish it was a very exciting story absolutely it was a fascinating story about stem cell research but my point was going to be is i fed you the video and you made it happen i fed you the raw video of the interview and I was off camera and you turned that into a finished product. So essentially somebody listening to this program, a small company or larger company with coaching from you via Skype or via telephone or via email could actually do the same thing. Give you the raw video of an interview that was, let's say, scripted in advance with questions and you could take that video hypothetically and turn it into a finished product and nobody has to see each other in person. Uh, Well, I'd like to see them, but um, you know, yeah, absolutely. If they have footage or an old video that they shot years ago that they'd like to improve, we can certainly take that in and improve it and then bring it back to them in more modern tools for them to use in their business. You know, one of the tools that fascinates me that I've been involved with for over 12, 15 years now is that idea of a business and and particularly manufacturing businesses that have processes in manufacturing where, you know, it goes from stage one to stage two to stage three to stage four, stage five. Now you have dozens of people working this line of assembly, this process of assembly, and people come and people go. And when people transition in and out of that business, what happens to that business owner and that team is that they get irregular results. They can have a team of line workers that are just cranking out 90%, 99% perfect product. And then all of a sudden, a few personnel change and there's an inconsistency in the training. And all of a sudden, they're seeing more errors. They're seeing more defective products. What I like is the knowledge preservation and the process capture products that we can do. These are longer and more expensive projects. But what they do for a business is in the long term, they save tons of money and keep their product and brand sacred by keeping their quality and their consistency in training their people up. The trick thing that we do is we capture the tacit knowledge of the experts that are doing it right. We don't just take and read off a step-by-step because everybody interprets the step-by-step differently. And so what you have is you have some people on the crew that really have a special knack. If you turn the knob this way two degrees, it works 100% of the time. If you turn it just a notch off, it says to turn it over here in the book, but if you really do it this way, and we catch those, and we rectify 
simplify those processes so that a business owner, a corporation can then carry forward with a, a really consistent a level of high quality and a uniformity in their training process. So that's one of the exciting products that are out there now. We just call it knowledge preservation. You have a big history in knowledge preservation and archiving, let's say, the uh, the makings of a corporation and, and products that they're releasing, which is a great way to pass on knowledge to newcomers. I was fortunate to be part of a team that was a hybrid of a corporation, Allied Signal at the time, at first EG&G, then Allied Signal, and then finally Honeywell, that worked with the Department of Energy to create this product that we now like to promote to corporations that captures that knowledge, presents it in a multimedia format, and helps them to preserve their processes for years to come and uh, keep their quality levels extremely high. Bob, so what's your day like? If I tell you my day, Al, I'm going to sound like a man of leisure. I'm going to sound like a big, rich, loafing guy. But uh, actually, uh, this morning started at 6 a.m., the three S's. (laughs) I think I've mentioned on another one of your programs. And then it's on to emails. It is immediately, almost immediately, followed by calls from the East Coast because I'm in the mountain zone. They're up uh, even before I am. And then as the sun travels across the morning sky, we have the Mountain West people and then the West Coast folks come along. By the time lunch comes around, one, two, three o'clock, I'm ready. And the day usually ends about seven o'clock. If you love what you do, you never work a day. That's the old adage, but it really is true. And I just love doing this stuff. Well, I think we can both say we've reached a point in our life where we can we can work when we need to, maybe a, an hour or two a day on a video or an audio project or a radio podcast, and then take some time for ourselves, whether it's driving one of our classic cars, uh, taking a walk for you, your motorcycle, heading down to the beach, or basically uh, just taking a nap. And, and that's called a, a, a day's work and play all at the same time. Well, I, I've got the one of the advantages I, I have of being in this business for so long is I have an incredible team. Team. Some of these people have been with me 35 years. It just blows my mind that they're still, you know, around. So if I'm tied up with one project, I've always got uh, someone I can I can say, hey, help me with this this new client that uh, it needs a jump start, and I'll come in and make sure everything's okay. So it's a lot of fun. Gives you a little bit of free time when you need it, and it's amazing. Uh, this is supposed to be our slow season, and we're we're totally booked. So. I'm hoping uh, that we'll we'll book a few more people for late spring, early summer, uh, and then some of the bigger projects into fall. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to just be able to get up, look at the Rocky Mountains out my window, and and enjoy the day. And it really is a beautiful. We we built this place five years ago. Uh, there's a a home and a studio, and it, in the morning we get out and look at those beautiful frosted top Rocky Mountains, and it's just like living in a national park. But at the same time. We're able to get to you know an airport, major million dollar audio facilities, everything we need. You know this is this is the area where uh, Better Call Saul, The Night Shift, Breaking Bad, all of that is being done in this area, and uh, and so we really have a lot of assets to call upon to help our business video people tap into the highest quality of uh, writers, animators lighting directors, cameramen, all, all the equipment you can need is here. Uh, so um, not, to, not to punk your Hollywood there, uh, Mr. Martin, <laughs> but, but it's really a, it's a great place to do production uh, in the Rocky Mountains these days. So for those that uh, have not figured out where exactly you're broadcasting from, 
You are speaking to me from your studio outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, somewhere in the East Mountains. And I've been to the uh, Ranchita, as you call it. And what a beautiful, what a beautiful place to to work and play, Bob. Congratulations on thank you on, uh, making that happen. It's a labor of love. We're up, we're up about almost seven thousand feet, and uh, it's just a it's it's a clean, pure air, uh, and it, it's real conducive to the creative process. So we'd like to. Uh, Offer any business owners that need help with their creative, you know, just go to spiritedusa.com and check us out. We'll, we'll be glad to help you. I've been speaking with my good buddy, friend, and producer, Bob Lang. His website is spiritedusa.com. So if you would like a fantastic video for your business, whether it's small or large, do contact Bob at spiritedusa.com. Bob, thanks so much for joining me today on the program. Thanks, Ellis. It's been a lot of fun. You can hear the segment again on the homepage of our website, ellismartreport.com, or download the entire Ellis Mart Report on iTunes. Join us next time for the Ellis Martin Report. Remember, this is actually one of those paid programs where companies and individuals pay us to let you hear all about themselves. Then they run right back to work and get jiggy with getting busy. Remember, invest at your own risk. Get more of these powerful programs free on the web at ellismartinreport.com. For Ellis Martin, this is Cool Voice Guy. Ciao, babies. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.